Hello, this is Justin Williams with the Wolfpacker Podcast. I'm joined today, as always, by co-host and editor of thewolfpacker.com, Matt Carter. And today, we're going to break down NC State's 28-14 road win over Florida State and Tallahassee this weekend. Uh, apologies for the delay. Our co-host and editor here, Matt Carter, had to drive the, what, 9 or 10 hours back to Raleigh? from Tallahassee on Sunday, Matt. How long did it end up taking you? Left a little bit after 9 a.m. Uh, got back probably about 6.50. So what's that, 9 hours, 50 minutes? But that included a stop for lunch, a bathroom break, a gas refill. So if we had just had enough gas to go all the way through and never stopped, I think we could have done it in probably about 9 hours, 15 minutes. Well, you had considering you had a nine-year-old with you on the trip, that's uh, pretty impressive that you were able to make that kind of time. But that is the reason we are coming to you on a Monday as opposed to a Sunday morning. So apologies for our analysis for the loyal listeners that are eager to hear what we have to say about this weekend's game. We'll talk a little bit about the game. We'll talk a little bit about bigger picture. And then later this week, we'll have a podcast previewing what's on everybody's minds now, which is the big upcoming game between NC State and Wake Forest and Winston-Salem this Saturday. But before we dive into the podcast, some quick reminders for our listeners. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to us, Apple, Spotify, Google Play. And please, please, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're now to 1.1 thousand subscribers. So our journey to 2,000 subscribers, I believe, will be a lot quicker than our journey to 1,000. Again, we thank the fans for getting us to that point and uh we're gonna keep putting up a lot of great content on youtube we've got some great stuff in the works later this year going into basketball season so stay tuned and a great reason to subscribe and just see what we've got going on at the wolfpacker youtube channel and of course we talked about it last podcast but if you haven't listened to that last one or if you haven't been to the wolfpacker.com in a little bit TheWolfPacker.com has a new home. It's the On3 network. Everything is the same. The staff remains the same. You still get to read Matt Carter's great editorial think pieces, analysis, recruiting information, all that good stuff. Plus, there's some great talent on the way as well. So head over to TheWolfPacker.com. It remains the same. If you type TheWolfPacker.com into your web browser, it will take you to the new website. It's, again, same staff, same content. You've Loved and uh, you know come to love over the past several decades here from the Wolfpacker.com and, and the Wolfpacker crew at Coman Publishing. So one dollar for a free year of premium subscription to the new site, the Wolfpacker.com, gives you access to the On Three network. And again, one dollar for a whole year of premium subscription, you get to read all the premium stories, you know, all that good stuff that uh, you've always been wishing that you could read behind the paywall that Matt has to say or that I have to say, or anybody else that we're going to bring on board, go over to On3, thewolfpacker.com. Take advantage of that deal because it won't be around forever, but it's a great deal, so take advantage of it quick. All right, Matt, uh, let's talk about Wolfpack football. Another Saturday, another 300-yard performance for Devin Leary. I think it's safe to say that he was the MVP of the offense on Saturday, another 300-yard performance, four touchdowns. One interception, but I don't want to count that one because it was a Hail Mary, last second, no time on the clock left before the half 
Tim Beck said, let's roll the dice and see if we can get one in the end zone. And you know what? Typically when that happens, it ends up being caught by the guys wearing the other jerseys. So Devin Leary, the interception streak ends, but it wasn't really a a real interception, I would say. So I'm not going to ding Leary too much for that. He's really been performing well. And of course, again, I mean, it's almost like the same narrative here these last few wins, Matt. Devin Leary's been great. And the defense was great again. 14 points this Florida State offense that, you know, going into this game, NC State didn't even realize the starting quarterback it was going to be facing on the other end because the Wolfpack thought that they were going to be seeing Jordan Travis, the uh, dual-threat quarterback, explosive on his feet, still a good, you know, passer when needed. But they're preparing for a guy, you know, similar to what they faced last week in Malik Cunningham in the win over Louisville. Dave Dorn said it after the game. We prepared for a running quarterback the whole time. Day of the game, Florida State announces that Jordan Travis is unavailable for the second straight year. NC State did not face Jordan Travis. Instead, they faced McKenzie Milton, the UCF transfer. The great story behind McKenzie Milton. Still a pretty solid pocket passer, but I still think that Florida State's highest potential is reached when they have Jordan Travis under center. So, Matt, I know I touched on the offense and the defense a little bit there. Where do you want to start with this game? Where do, where do you think uh, the game was truly won? Honestly, I, I think to me the two stories were just the defense, which I wrote about in my column. You know, they were without Tyler Baker-Williams, who's now your fifth starter down. Um, then you throw in that uh, Savion Jackson gets hurt in the first half, and now you're down six starters, so... When you look at it from the Mississippi State game, you are down six starters on defense in that game against Mississippi State uh, in the second game of the year. And they still held Florida State scoreless for three out of four quarters. Um, In the fourth quarter when the game was on the line, I think Florida State had like 42 yards of offense on like 20-some plays. They were averaging less than two yards of play. I got the big stop on fourth down to set up the game winning, the game clinching, I should say, touchdown. Um, you know, it was just that I just thought, considering it, that it was not only a good defensive performance, it was a really good defensive performance. Make no bones about it. Jordan Travis is the better quarterback. Um, I kind of asking some of my buddies on the Florida State beat why, uh, did they kind of try to ride the Disney story a little bit too long with Mackenzie Milton at quarterback? Um, I think just, there may have been an element of some of that. And then also, you know, Mackenzie Milton with the feel-good story, the new face, the popular backup quarterback. And he was a fan favorite. And, and uh, you know, it was hard for Jordan Travis to kind of, you know, deal with that. He's human, right? He's a, he's a 28-year-old young man who... You know, fans were clearly pulling for the other guy early in the season. and But I think everybody understands Jordan Travis is Florida State's best answer quarterback by a mile. And he didn't play, and that would tend to take benefit. It made the run game much more defendable. And they took advantage of that. Um, but to me, it was the defense. I thought the second story for me kind of put a bow on my thoughts on the game with the offense. Yeah, Devin Leary was really good, don't get me wrong. I, I, you know, he's really good. But he was really helped by some plays by playmakers who you would not have expected to be passing game playmakers. I mean, C.J. Riley getting behind the defense, 
Ball with a little bit underthrown. He still catches it, gets free from the defender, and outruns everybody for a 60-some-odd touchdown catch. Um, uh, you had the uh, you know simple naked boot naked bootleg pass to uh, Trent Penix, yep. and he he makes a couple. He got a little bit of a running lane, makes a couple of guys miss, outraces him for a 47 yard touchdown. You set up the screen pass to Ricky Person, makes the defender miss. Derek Eason with a nice lead block on the next defender, and he had daylight for a 43 yard touchdown. So. But to me, it was three guys that you may not necessarily expect to be playmakers in the passing game stepped up and made plays. Um, and like I said, Devin Lee was good. And his job is to get the ball to the playmaker. He did that, and then the playmakers made Devin Lee look good because of it. Yeah, I mean, that's what a good quarterback does. He puts puts the ball in the hands of the playmakers cleanly, right? You know, sometimes when the playmakers do a little bit extra, we like to say, Oh, they should get the credit for those yards. Eh, you might have something to that, but look, everybody on the football field has one mission, do your job. And Devin Leary did his yet again uh, on Saturday. You know, just playing just playing smart football, too. It's not just that he's consistently producing, he's consistently finding his playmakers who are then making plays, but also he's keeping the ball out of the hands of the opponent. I know I mentioned that first, you know, interception and in, what, I think that's the first interception he's thrown in an ACC game this season. Um, again, that was like a it's like dinging somebody for missing a half-court shot at the end of a half in, in a basketball game, right? You're not going right. to, oh, they went 7-for-7 seven seven from the field the whole game, and then they missed that one half-court, they went 7-for-8, so we're going to ding him for that. No, it, like it's understandable that Devin Leary threw that pick wasn't his fault. So, And he threw some great balls, but to your point, Matt, I mean, I think it was only a matter of time before you start seeing some of these other playmakers make these splash plays, right? Because NC State is a team that, you know, clearly has its established top line of skill players and, you know, Devin Carter, Thayer Thomas, and Mecca Mezzi in the receiving core. And they do lean on those guys, but it's not like those guys are, you know, playing every down, of every offensive snap when NC State's in the game. NC State is pretty generous with its rotation, you know, in the receiving core, considering its depth there, considering the young talent it has. And, it, you know, now you're finally seeing a game where, you know, some of these other guys are making some big plays. It was nice to see C.J. Riley finally make a splash play like he has, you know, coming back from multiple ACL injuries in his college career. Kind of lost that explosion, you know, the last couple of years. Or it, he used to be one of the quicker guys, if not the quickest guy in the receiver's room. He still he doesn't hold that claim anymore, but it's nice to see him finally start to get some of that explosion back. Uh, looks pretty lean this year too. You know he looked like he was getting a little bit bigger last year, maybe a little bit a step behind. Struggled early on last year, and then kind of got into a rhythm as the year went around. And he's played you know pretty solid and and with his opportunities this year. But finally you get to see a big play there, and then they love those little H backs, Matt. Uh, you know, Chris Tootle, Trent Penix finally starting to get that game going, and that just opens up the field and creates opportunities not only for those guys, but eventually it's going to create opportunities and, and already has created opportunities for guys like Thayer Thomas and Emeka Mezzi and Devin Carter to get open and face single coverage versus, you know, being double covered. I just like yeah. what NC State's doing offensively right now. Yeah, I'd like to see a little bit more consistency in terms of. 
piling up the points, I guess I would say. Yeah, I think that's the next step for the offense. You kind of look at, you know, got a huge three-game stretch here. You win them all, you're playing in Charlotte. How are you going to do that? When two of those three games, you're going to have to outscore the opponent. Not reasonable to expect to hold Wake Forest and probably North Carolina to say 13 points, right? I'm not sure 28 points is reasonable to expect to win those games. And I think that's the next key for this offense. I felt like at halftime it should not have been a 14 to nothing football game. Um, and it was a touchdown a quarter, right, for NC State. One touchdown in each of the four quarters. You, know, you, you would have liked to have seen that offense maybe hunt up another touchdown in the first half and be up 21 to nothing. And you would have really felt the game was over at that point. Um, you would have liked to have seen, you know, an earlier score in the fourth quarter. It stayed 21 to 14 for a good while. You would have liked to have seen the offense maybe kind of come up with that score there. Some of that is they're still struggling to run the football. It was a little better in this game, a little but uh, not where it needs to be. They're playing a team Saturday that will give up rushing yards to anybody that wants them. So you need to, stay. I mean, at some point you gotta, um, you got to start being able to run the football better. I'm trying to pull up workforce run defenses. 13 out of 14 in the ACC and uh, rush defense. Um, oh, NC State hasn't really played a, a poor rush defense yet in the ACC, so maybe that's what they need to get back on track. I'm just looking at it and you look at the teams they played in the ACC, their third, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth in rushing yards allowed per game. So they had yet to play some of those bottom feeder teams that give up a lot of rushing yards. But that's one area that maybe could step up and and improve, but it's like you said, I mean, this is a big game Saturday, and you have to take advantage of what you can, because you're going to have to outscore Wake Forest, so there's a lot on the line. Yeah, I know NC State's rushing total doesn't jump off the page. Another game that NC State's held to below 100 rushing yards, and again, it's a team that going into the season, everybody was excited about the run game, the two-headed monster running back with Ricky Person and Zonovan Knight, a formidable offensive line that seems to or at least went into this season saying that its strength is, you know, in the run game. And, you know, you see that – you saw that NC State was able to dominate inferior opponents in the run game, was really just able to run it right down their throats, pretty simple game plans in those games on the offensive end. Now that they face better defenses, they've had to get a little bit more creative, and they've really had to lean on that passing game where – that's where Devin Leary has been a real blessing because if he hadn't taken the step that he has this season – then NC State would be looking at a different season the way, you know, the run game has gone so far. But I will say, you know, I, I talked to you after the game, Matt, before you left Tallahassee over the phone. Um, you know, I was saying that it finally started to look like the run game was showing flashes of coming back in this Florida State game. And Dave Doran did say after the game that this Florida State defensive line was the best he had faced this season, in his opinion, you know, it's still a team that has faced Clemson. It's still a team that has faced Mississippi State. So to say that Florida State was the best defensive line that NC State has faced this season, that's you know a pretty high compliment from Dave Dorn. He's not one that's just going to throw something out there just to say it. He truly believes it. And the fact that they were still able to outrush Florida State in a game where, you know, granted, I know Jordan Travis didn't play. That's a loss of, you know, it's a big loss in your run game. 
But at halftime, NC State held Florida State to negative one rushing yard. Negative one rushing yard was Florida State's run total at halftime. That's that's not a winning formula. I said it on the pregame or the uh, the you know, preview podcast that we did for this game. If NC State can find a way to outrush Florida State, it's going to be in great shape to win the game. We didn't know that Jordan Travis wasn't going to play at the time, but NC State did outrush Florida State, eighty-six to thirty-eight, and they won the game. And you know, kind of, that kind of like bad rushing total versus less bad rushing total. There, I mean. But uh, to your point, take out the sacks yarded and you take out the three kneel downs to end the game where they lost four yards on all three of the kneel downs. Um, you know, that, that was 12 yards lost. I think they lost another 13 or so, 15 yards maybe on the three sacks that they gave up. Yeah, Ricky and, you know, Ricky and Donovan Knight combined for 103 yards on 28 carries. Yeah. Not good. It's not good. Don't get me wrong, but it's not terrible. Which is what the Western output, quite frankly, was again in some of the couple recent games, uh, particularly uh, Louisville, I believe, is when it kind of hit a rock bottom type moment when and neither one were effective running the football. But it's really been a four-game trend. The Miami game numbers were kind of skewed by the fake punt, right? The whatever Trent Penix ran on the fake punt. It did not run it well at all against Boston College. Did not run it well at Louisville. This was the first time where you could say maybe, okay, this week was better than last week at least. Um, the coming week should be better than than this week. Should be the best against Power 5 opponent. I mean, you got to have your best Power 5 number in the run game against Wake Forest because they're, they're the worst Power 5 run defense you're going to face all season. Could very well be. And so that's why it's uh, – that's probably the one thing. But the other thing is, for offensively, they got to be able to score consistently. And I think that's the, still just seeing these lulls in the offense. Slow start against Boston College. Kind of a slow start at Miami. Very slow start against Louisville. I thought they started better this game. Obviously, big play right out of the bat uh, on the second drive. But just the consistency of it is what's next for the offense. But, um Against Wake Forest, you just cannot expect to, to say, okay, we scored 28 points, that's going to be enough. Well, you, you agreed with me after the game when we talked off air. You know, it seemed like my own, my only critique of NC State in this game was that it felt, I, I got the sense that NC State was content with a 14-point lead going into halftime. And you look at the last two drives that NC State had, I mean, they basically just ran out the clock in the second second half of the second quarter Uh about an eight-minute drive in that second-to-last uh, drive of the, of the second quarter. 11, 11 plays, 45 yards, 6 minutes, and 28 seconds time of possession. Ends in a punt, and then, of course, the interception on the last drive. It just seemed like they could have at least tried to go for a field goal there. I mean, I understand they're trying to score. Like, I get that, but it seemed like the conservative nature of the play calls were saying, we don't want to turn the ball over. I think they were also doing the old trying to time it, right? And maybe that was being too perfect. And they knew they were getting the ball to start the second half, so let's time it. Let's time a late score at the first half, getting the ball to start the second half. And honestly, the play of the game wasn't even an NC State play. But this game's probably over 
eventually stayed scored one more time. And they, to their credit, right at the third quarter, they went right down the field and scored on their first drive. But um, the problem is that they didn't get the first drive of the third quarter. Florida State did the surprise onside kick. I didn't even see it. I was talking to somebody and going, getting back to my seat because I didn't know the second half had started and they were all celebrating at Florida State. And it took me a half a second to realize it was an onside kick and not a fumble or something of that nature. But without that onside kick, this game probably doesn't get into a contest in the third quarter. Um, it clearly sparked Florida State. But, um, yeah, you're right. I, I think maybe they were a little bit too, like, we got a two-touchdown lead. Let's try to do a long, long uh, drive here and get some points at the end of the quarter. We'll be up at least 17 nothing, preferably 21 nothing, and we'll get the ball to start the second half. And we can put the hammer down and, and – you know, maybe I was a little bit too too cute. I don't know if that's the right word. That sounds kind of derogatory, but no, I think uh, it's the right word because it's not the wrong thinking. It's not the yeah. like it's fine if you have the personnel to do that. But the problem is you've seen what the run game's been able to do the past several weeks. You have to have a good run game to drag. You know, if you want to have an eight minute drive and then just you know the dagger to score a touchdown right before half and don't even give Florida State the ball back. You know, you, you got to be able to pick up the pick up first downs on on the ground. You know, you got to burn yeah. that clock. So, yeah, they were able to do it at times, but not enough, and not enough before this next game. Last point on the Florida State game, Matt. You might have been a little bit slow to get back in the second half because of that pregame Waffle House waffle that you had, Matt Carter. I, I heard, so, you hear about that? Tell me about the trade between you and Jonas Pope. The fourth, the NC State beat writer for the News and Observer, per Twitter, Jonas reports that he made a pregame trade with Matt Carter, straight up a Chick-fil-A sandwich for a Waffle House waffle. Matt receives the waffle, Jonas received the chicken sandwich. It just tell the tell the viewers a little bit what was going through your mind when you made that trade. Yeah, see, here, let's hit the deal. I don't like Chick-fil-A. So in my mind, it's, it's a straight up win, right? No, I, mean, I probably just blew any chance of Chick Fil A giving us a million dollar sponsorship, but I don't think it was going to happen anyway. So I ain't worried about it. I, you all should be happy. I'm one less person in that long, long, long ass line that y'all see outside Chick Fil A drive through every time. You ain't got to worry about me making it longer. I, I ain't touching it. So um, I miss those lines. I haven't seen a Chick Fil A line in months. Yeah. I'd die for some Chick-fil-A right now. I hate the deal. I hate pickles. We're the passing. It's one of three foods I do not eat. They put the pickles on those Chick-fil-A sandwiches. They won't take them off for you. And no, you can't just take pickles off a sandwich. Pickles are juicy. They, they, they everything. Their taste will infect anything it touches. So no, it's not one of those things where you can just say, hey, take the pickles off and you won't taste it. That's, that's a load of bull crap. You will taste it. And so I don't like Chick-fil-A. So I'm, I may have been a loser in a lot of people's eyes, but I came out, you know, from not having anything to eat to having a nice waffle, which actually I saved for breakfast. So to, to clarify, um, I, I saved it for breakfast the next morning so I didn't have to worry about, you know, we, we could hit the road early. I, I heated it up in the microwave. Jonas gave me the, the butter and the syrup that came with it. So... I kind of like the player to be named later, added into the trade. Yeah, a couple um, draft picks. Yep. And so, 
I was able to wake up. I put up the what they're saying on the website, one of the most popular features we have, and ate my Waffle House, and I was ready to go. Such you can't a, beat that. So you also a, have to add in the convenience factor. And Jonas already had a chicken sandwich. So it's not like he's getting something he didn't already have. He gave away something that he wasn't going to have anymore. Yeah, who could have had a waffle and a chicken sandwich. Now, were they giving out waffles in the press box, or did he show up to the press box with the waffle? He went up to the press box with the waffle. Okay, okay. That's the point. So he had a waffle and a chicken sandwich, and then traded away the waffle for for a second chicken sandwich. That he, you know, I I would argue again that that's another reason why I won I wanted to trade. Well, the real story was David Thompson, the USA Today into, uh, Network yeah. writer for the NC State beat, also a Duke men's basketball beat writer. He put the Chick Fil A chicken patty on the Waffle House waffle, made it chicken and waffles, crossbreeding Chick Fil A and Waffle House. Now that was genius. So, anyways, total. I think dad- David Thompson took my side on the trade. By the way. I mean, I do look as someone that is, has been deprived of both Waffle House and Chick-fil-A for about (laughs) three months now. I would love either of those and I will, I'll be back for the NC state (laughs) UNC game later this month. So hopefully not a bad luck charm there. And I will be eating one of those things before the game. Uh, Matt, let's take a big picture here. Um, before we close out this podcast, nothing changed. In the, at least in the ACC Atlantic side of things, um, in the division race, still a three-team race right now, uh, especially after Clemson beat Louisville this past weekend. Still between NC State, Wake Forest, and Clemson, really the two main competitors that control their own destiny right now, NC State and Wake Forest. Of course, what drives Wolfpack fans crazy, and I'm right there with you, is that you watched UNC beat Wake Forest right before kickoff of the NC State Florida State game. But that did not count as a conference game because the ACC refuses to put out a scheduling model that will allow for in-state rivalries to be an annual tradition like Wake Forest playing UNC, like NC State playing Duke. They're in different divisions. They're only supposed to play once every seven years. So guess you got to schedule a non-conference to get them on the schedule. Uh, I don't I don't fault UNC or Wake for scheduling this game. It's a fun game. It's a game that should be played every year, just like NC State should play Duke every year in football. But it does suck, if you're an NC State fan, to see Wake Forest fall like that, only for it to not count in the ACC standings. But either way, it wouldn't have mattered because NC State has to win this next game, regardless of whether that counted in the standings, if it still wants to control its own destiny moving into the last two weeks of the season. So... Um, Matt, is there a scenario that exists? Because I know you've gone through all these scenarios. You're a bracket guy. You're a bowl guy. You're a you're all about the postseason bracketology, or you, I guess you can't really call it that for college football. But you know what I mean. Is yeah. there a scenario that NC State can win this next game against Wake Forest, and something can happen that would make it so that NC State doesn't have to go into that UNC game thinking? We need a win, or we're not in Charlotte. How does that happen? There are a lot of scenarios that can play out. And ironically, there is a scenario where NC State could lose Saturday and still be in Charlotte at the end of the season. So I think that the 
biggest takeaway people need to understand. There's a huge benefit to the winner for Saturday. They become the last team to control their destiny in the ACC Atlantic. Only three teams can win the Atlantic now. That is one thing that did happen Saturday. Clemson beating Louisville yet another close game. This is how they built to be. They're just going to be in a close game every week. Um, gets uh, Clemson to five ACC wins and now five and two of the ACC, which means that only teams that can win the ACC Atlantic now are because every other team in the Atlantic has at least three losses. Um, really, I just Wake Forest, Louisville, and I mean Wake Forest, NC State, and Clemson. That may not be mathematically a hundred percent correct, but it practicality puts you. Uh, Right there. I'm trying to pull up the standing real quick to make sure I got everything correct here. Well, Louisville now only yeah. has Louisville has three, uh, yeah. three losses in the ACC, right? Yeah, and the only team that could theoretically Louisville has four. Florida State has four. Boston College has four. They've been eliminated. Syracuse mathematically not eliminated. They're two and three in the ACC. The best they could do is tie Clemson. They can't win a tiebreaker with Clemson. Um, and they, they, uh, can't really win a tiebreaker with, with, uh, Wake Forest, who's 5-0 and in the ACC, so there's another team that got five ACC wins head-to-head, and given they lost to both those teams, it's almost impossible for them to win, a, a, any kind of, and it may be mathematically impossible for them to win any kind of tiebreaker with the teams that are left, if that makes sense. So. I mean, it sounds like it's mathematically impossible, because they... Even if they win out, they're still only tying Wake Forest and Clemson. Yeah, if they win out, the best they can do is tie Wake Forest or Clemson. Um, you know, theoretically, maybe you could tie NC State. And, and yeah, but if you tie NC State, then Wake's going to be six and two at least in the ACC. So Syracuse is out. Yeah. Syracuse it's, is it's, out. I could see if, our, if NC State beats Wake, we're getting really into the weeds, but then lose it to Syracuse and UNC. That puts them at five and three. Um, and then, yeah, but Wake would still be in that tiebreaker mix. Yeah, I just don't, it just doesn't seem likely to happen. So, yeah, I think Syracuse is mathematically eliminated. It's going to be one of those three teams. That's the bottom line. The winner controls their destiny. We know the game time of uh, Clemson Wake Forest now, which is noon on November twentieth. I say in, uh, November, yeah, November twentieth. I say NC State beats Wake Forest Saturday. Uh, famous last words, right? But let's say they beat Wake Forest on Saturday. Both teams are five and one. Uh, we do not yet know the NC State Syracuse game time, but it, it is almost impossible for it to be a noon game given how the other. Networks have already claimed noon games. If the train comes by the office here, say hi to Amtrak. Um, There's, a, I mean, it, let's be honest, they're not going to give NC State a noon game this year. Yeah, and the ACC Network had their noon game. I think ESPN had a noon game for any, so it's going to be either four or seven thirty or three thirty. So what is almost certain to happen if NC State beats Wake Forest? They will know by the time of kickoff against Syracuse the outcome of Clemson Wake Forest. If Clemson beats Wake Forest, NC State will know that if they win that game they're playing right now, they have clinched the ACC Atlantic Division. It's over. And the UNC game would not matter 
for anything. So that's the best case scenario. Win Saturday. Have Clemson beat Wake Forest at home on the following Saturday before your game. And then you come out and beat Syracuse. You are the Atlantic Division champion. And you could start buying tickets for Charlotte on December 4th. You know, booking hotels and getting your plans underway. So that's kind of the best case. And then real quickly, if you lose to Wake Forest, Wake Forest will go to 6-0 in the ACC, you're 4-2. Let's say you win out. Let's say NC State wins out. And Wake Forest loses to Clemson and then Phil Djokovic back at Boston College leads the Eagles to a win over Wake Forest. And they fall to 6-2. And, um, and Clemson would be 6-2. And, and now you have a three-way tie at the top of the division. Uh, this is where I have to do some more homework, but if the three-way ties at six and two. It goes on uh, division record. That's right, and Wake Forest's two losses in the would be in the division: Clemson and Boston College. Clemson and NC State both would have one loss in the division because NC State lost to Miami, Clemson lost to Pittsburgh. So I don't know what they, them would it go about to head to head. At that point, between Clemson and NC State, which obviously NC State would win, but there might still be a path if NC State loses Saturday. That's that not a crazy, crazy out-of-the-sky path. Either. No, it's not a crazy path. The Wake's got its three toughest games of the season in the last three weeks of the year. I mean, Especially now that Phil Djokovic is back for Boston College. That's a potential game-changer late in the year that – if you're an NC State fan, you're happy to see. You're happy to see it for the young man anyway, but you're really happy if you're an NC State fan to see it. Which means that if NC State can just win this game on Saturday, it is looking very pretty atop the ACC Atlantic Division standings. You'll again, you know, if it wins out, it doesn't matter. Wake, it goes on in either way, but, you know, Wake Forest still got two tough games left. So if NC State were to slip up in one of those last two games a win against Wake Forest would be really huge because then, you know, NC State could still go on and uh, play in the ACC championship game if Wake Forest was to drop one more of those last two games. So, uh, word of advice for the Wolfpack, want to go to the ACC championship, just win Saturday. Just win. And just to to go back to that scenario I put out there, it is true. So, under that whole hypothetical NC State loses to Wake Forest, but then Wake Forest loses out, NC State wins out. There are three teams at six and two, NC State would win because it, it does reset. Once a three once a team has been eliminated from the tiebreaker and it goes from three to two, it resets and you go back to the top of the tiebreaker rules to which NC State would have the head to head over Clemson. So try to follow all that if you can. I'll give you a pop quiz later in the week to see if you remembered it. Uh, in the next podcast I will quiz Justin Williams. Not too hard. No, I got it. I got it. it it's easy. Right, we'll, we'll That's easy, out. Matt. But you know what? What would be a lot easier for the blood pressure of thousands of Wolfpack Nation out there would just be for NC State to go to Winston-Salem and take care of business. Beat a Wake Forest Demon Deacons team that is ranked is still very good despite losing to UNC by three points. Look, UNC's a good matchup for, for Wake Forest, but I think NC State's a better matchup for Wake Forest because NC State actually has a defense that it can rely on to get stops. Can it stop Wake Forest consistently enough? We will see. We'll get into more of the analysis on that game in the next podcast. Um, 
But, you know, one last thing, Matt. The Coastal Division is far but from decided either. I mean, Pittsburgh's got a big one this weekend, or on Thursday against North Carolina coming to, coming to Heinz Field. Pittsburgh loses. You're going to have three teams atop the ACC Coastal with two losses, including Virginia. And, oh, yeah, that team that we, you know, put in, put in the grave, put six feet under, thought was dead, Miami at three and two. Um, so And crazy enough, there's still a potential path for UNC. It went B and D. I mean, if UNC were to win out and be five and three, and somehow Miami and Virginia and Pitt all get end up with three losses, UNC beat all three of those teams. They could be in Charlotte too. Yeah. So well, that would that would mean that don't UNC... talk too much smack. Yeah, you really need Pittsburgh to beat UNC before you can put the nail in the coffin on UNC's. Uh, very slim cultural division hopes. Well, we will see. That's why we love college football because it's crazy and it's November and things are still very much in the air. And, you know, it's nice not knowing that Clemson's going to just go ahead and win the Atlantic division this year. So uh, that'll do it for this podcast. Reminders for the listeners at home, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to us, Apple, Spotify, Google Play. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Very important. Helps us out a ton. So if you don't mind, please go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel, the Wolfpacker YouTube channel. Give this video a thumbs up and drop a comment. Uh, positive vibes only. Go Wolfpack. Um, you know, you like what you like Matt's hair today. It's about two weeks since his last haircut. Starting to grow back. Be like normal Matt again. So anyways, uh, oh yeah, on three. New digs for the website. Go over to on3.com, or more importantly, go to thewolfpacker.com. That's that's this site, this our site. Uh, thewolfpacker.com, new network, on3 network, great site. It's beautiful. If you haven't seen it already, go over to thewolfpacker.com right now. Uh, looks so much better than the old website, and all the same great content, plus more. And a dollar will get you premium access to that website and the On3 network for a whole year. So that's like the best deal in college football media right now, if not sports media in the world. Take advantage of that deal. One dollar for a year of premium subscription to the Wolfpacker.com On3 network. Go over right now. Check us out. Support us. Support Matt. He just drove 10 hours with his nine-year-old to Tallahassee and back this weekend for Wolfpack Nation. Go support the man. All right, that's going to do us. <laughs> Uh, that's going to do it for this week. For Matt Carter, this is Justin Williams, and this has been the Wolfpacker Podcast.